Welcome to Aquifer's Educator Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Robbins. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Sherilyn Smith about coaching learners in clinical settings. This podcast builds on a previous podcast we recorded, which provided a high-level overview of coaching and its educational value. This morning, we'll be digging into the particulars of coaching, discussing strategies and tips for implementing coaching in clinical settings. Dr. Smith is Professor Emerita of Pediatrics at the University of Washington and an International Coaching Federation Certified Coach. Welcome, Sherilyn. Thanks, Lynn. I am so super excited to be here. I think that um, having examples and words and what it might look like is really the only way to bring this into medical education and clinical education. I do think it's important for those who are still struggling to distinguish coaching from mentoring and advising to get just a simple reminder about what coaching is yeah, I think the the main thing that people have to keep in mind as they are considering whether or not this interaction they're about to have with somebody is a coaching interaction is who is in charge of deciding what to focus on. In coaching, it's really the the student or the learner who's making that decision and the coach helps them along the way. So it's that's sort of the locus of control is the way I think about it. And it's the student who's going to decide what success looks like. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. That whole locus of control thing is important to recognize. And I know we touched on this briefly before, but I think you mentioned last time that coaching really models the way that learners will be interacting with their patients. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so just wondering if we can touch on that parallelism and why coaching might be so important to to implement in medical education. There is a great parallel because I just said, you know, who is the expert here? And in coaching, you know, students are the experts. I think that as we begin to really dial down into what is effective patient care, having that understanding that the patient actually is the expert in their life, their disease, and you as the clinician have information, some expertise, but you can't implement. (laughs) You can't implement it when they walk out of the room. So having this coaching approach and having students get used to people asking them questions is is totally transferable to patient care. So since we last spoke, I'm wondering what you've learned about successful coaching practice. I'll say a couple of things that really have have, um, stood out for me. The first is that it's super important to really hone in on next steps, getting something that is feasible, moving to action and making sure you have enough time in your coaching conversation to to do that is super important. The other thing that one of my mentors, uh, coaching mentors, uh, shared with me as a coach, I'm not supposed to hide my expertise, but there are ways to offer that up so that the student or the person you're coaching is still making the decision whether or not it's valuable to them. Right. And so if you always hide your expertise, then they never have that option. And conversely, ask giving unasked for advice is not coaching. That's trying to fix the problem for them. 
in clinical learning, let's let's go there. Where do you think coaching can be useful? So I really think that coaching can be useful. Um, one to improve people's skills. That's an easy one. Another way of thinking about clinical learning is really helping students get clear about what they want to learn, right? Just asking really super simple questions about what do you want to work on uh, today when they when they show up in clinic for you. And then asking them just maybe one more question, like, and and what else? Or what about that do you want to learn about? Because students sometimes will come and say, you know, I'm not very good at um, my um, ear exam, right? And then you're like, well, great. Every patient we have has two ears today. But then be probing just a little bit more and saying, well, what about the ear exam is hard for you? Or what would you like to get better at? It just really helps the student focus, helps you as the clinician focus. And then you can get feedback. You can uh, reinforce what they're doing right. You can really have people feel like they're making progress. So that's a really little example of a skills-based thing, but it's building in the idea of um, goal setting, right? And getting specific. It gives both the learner and the faculty member some guidance about what to look for from the multitude of things that they could be. Right, on. right. It just kind of un it, it unclutters <laughs> what you're going to be doing, and you didn't decide as the faculty person what was important. The student did, so they're going to have much more investment. And then you can go from there, right? And ask them how they want to how they want to tackle it. What's most important to them? right? So in some ways for you as the faculty person, it's a lot easier. And then you can just follow the student along, right? And provide your pearls along the way. Um, That's wonderful teaching that can happen. Do you sometimes have um, differences about what you think the student needs to learn? Mm, So if a student selects something, Mm -hmm. I'm just curious whether you sometimes might lead them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. What a great question. Um, yes, uh, we're human beings. We're going to have different opinions. And so if you're really in a coaching, you've set this up as coaching, I think it's great to follow them. And then as a coach, you can offer up. Um, I've seen uh, you know, other, other students work on this or what about this, right? Or I've noticed while I'm watching you do this, that you might also think about working on this. So the student's still leading, but this gets a little bit at don't hide your expertise that we talked about. You've noticed them and then you can offer it up as a choice. Um, Not you need to work on this particular thing today um, because I'm I'm deciding your learning plan. Okay, so are there other kinds of challenges or stumbling blocks and ways of moving past them, things that you might want to watch for as a faculty member? Um, so I would say silence or the I don't know can make your heart quake. And so you might offer up some choices. Another way to get around that is to maybe have a little spiel about your, your approach in the clinic about this is, co- I'm going to be coaching you. And what does that mean? It means that, you know, you pick something that you really want to work on and we'll work on it together. 
And you're going to, you're going to help me understand why it's important to you. And then we'll go from there and we'll just, you know, it'll be a little bit more fluid because students may not be used to having people engage with them that way. Sometimes students come into clinic and they don't actually have an idea about what they might learn. So you asking them what they want to focus on might be met with silence because of that. And it really changes the whole experience um, by you asking the question from, from a passive learning and sort of serendipity to much more active and focused and then hopefully um, something that's generative that you can continue to build on uh, the rest of the time you're there. And I, I know I would be somewhat hesitant or, or unable to be able to articulate how I'm going to self-assess. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And maybe that, you know, it, being just transparent about that as a coach, you know, saying, you know, sometimes people struggle with knowing what success looks like or how am I going to know I'm getting better. We can do that together. I would also encourage people to, you know, to tap into both sort of the cognitive part. So if you're working on um, taking a history or asking open-ended questions, you know, whether or not people are actually doing that. So you have a brief observation and you can see them doing it, but then maybe even checking in and, and seeing, you know, for the student, how comfortable are you doing that? Do you, are you feeling your confidence going up, you know, and having them check in with themselves? So it's not just the observable, that's super important and they they can ask for feedback, but they're internal, like their comfort level, the facility at which they can pull questions out of their brain, for instance, might be another way to help them self-assess. Could you just open the coaching session for me and maybe we can figure out like how you open it, how you sure. might conduct it and how we might sure. close it. Okay. Sure. Okay. Let's, let's see. So Lynn, so glad that you're in clinic uh, with me today. It's a pretty busy clinic. All of the patients are up on the board so you can sort of see what their diagnoses are. Do you have some ideas about, you know, what you'd like to focus on today? When I work with students, I really like to coach them. And, you know, what that means for me is you come up with some ideas about what you'd like to work on, and then we'll figure out together how I can observe you, give you feedback, and then figure out where to go next. How does that sound to you? That sounds okay. All yeah. right. And so then probably what I would do is just have them, let's try it out. Okay. okay. And, 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 you know, just the, which patient would you like to see first? Right. And then have them choose the patient and then just follow up. Okay. Um, what comes to mind? What might be good for us, you know, to start with today? So say they wanted, I'm going to take the ear exam because that's always a pediatric thing that people want to work on. Right. And so this was a, a, a two-year-old and, and said, so, and you've never examined a two-year-old before. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. So let's go for it. We go in and I watch you. Right. And then I probably do a little teaching about how the parents can hold the kid. And then we have a little teaching in there. And then I come out and say, so how do you think that went? What did you learn? What are you going to take forward in the, for the next patient that we see? And I, I might also say, Lynn, to, to get back to your question about self-assessment, um, to really normalize this for students. We are not expecting perfection here. 
This is an opportunity to practice and grow. And so by the end of the clinic, if you are 10% better, wow, that's great. Every time you have that incremental increase, Mm -hmm. you're moving toward that target of mastery. If the improvement is, you know, having the, being able to instruct the parents about how to hold the kid right, who's two, that is a big step into being able to examine ears, for instance. It's a completely different mindset for both the learner and the coach. The learner has to really trust that the clinician doesn't expect them to be perfect. Maybe you're evaluating me. I think for the faculty member, letting the student select something is is a little bit off-putting. I'm just wondering about the mindset, how you create the possibility that you can have a what's really a bi-directional and equal conversation about how you should approach learning in the clinic. It's a great question because coaching is bi-directional. You know, checking in to make sure that you're you're following the student, right? You're understanding what they're actually trying to learn. As the faculty, I, it is it is hard um, if I'm evaluating them. But if you think about each instance, right, and what we're trying to do is to get people to be to improve, then that incremental view, if you can keep that and say this is where they started, and my goal is to get them and help them really help them get to competence, then I think the coaching is the right way to do it right? Because you're following along and then you can track together that incremental improvement as opposed to an evaluation is like, did you hit the mark? It does take a lot of trust. And so that may be a barrier that students might not completely trust you because you have to evaluate them, but then being clear, just like what coaching is, then, you know, what are the evaluation standards? How is that going to be determined? Can evaluators be coaches? Um, evaluators can use coaching skills. How's that? Um, if you had to create your own program optimally, a coach would not evaluate a student, but, um, depending on your curriculum, you can use these skills. It's, it's a great way to activate somebody's mind, right? To get them to learn more deeply, to be motivated. I would be careful in language use. Perhaps, um, you can use a coaching approach. Uh, being a coach often has a different meaning. Okay, that's helpful. So in, in your ideal world, who should serve as a coach? Great. So ideal world, I think there are a bunch of different ways to do this. So you could have a faculty person who is um, involved with students and um is their coach. And it could be, they could be observing, you know, they could just be a set aside and the student meets with them, you know, with Calibrate. I think that that's a great opportunity right there um, to the students go and take their assessment with Calibrate. And then you could have a coach uh, who's not evaluating them uh, talk with them. I think that you can have residents do it. I think you can have peer coaches as well, as long as it's set up and everybody knows like what's the purpose of this and what is the relationship near peers, right? Um, You could maybe even have, if you have a senior student who's not going to be 
evaluating a junior student, maybe that's a way to leverage some of the a coaching relationship and help them improve that might be um, safe uh, for them. I think a course director can coach somebody using coaching skills, but you just have to be very clear about what the boundary is Mm -hmm. between those two roles. In our last podcast, we talked some about, you know, why you would want to use Calibrate with coaching. Could you just talk a little bit about what Calibrate is? Sure. So Calibrate, it's, um, it's a system There are two evaluations that students can take early and late in their learning experience, and and the content is based on the aquifer cases. The students uh, will get reports. They will have an idea about where where they have high levels of ability, um, areas where they're sort of standard, and then areas that there might be some gaps, so that helps them focus. So it sounds like for people who are a little bit nervous or skeptical about coaching, using Calibrate's formative assessments can help frame um, Mm. a coaching discussion. So a student has access to the results, has the report from Calibrate, right, about how they did in their formative assessment. The faculty member or the peer, whomever is doing the coaching, has that same information. That really gives structure then to their interaction. Am I understanding you correctly? You you totally, you have it exactly right. And I, and I love the way that you put, like, it frames why we would even have this coaching conversation. And an important part of this is that, you know, students have to prepare some for this. So they have some skin in the game. That's optimally uh, the way it would work. And there's some great templates to go along with the Calibrate that really walks you through what a coaching conversation might be. It gives you actual words to say. Uh, worksheets that students can um, complete help gets them thinking even before they land um, in your office if you're talking with them. So I think it's it's a really nice way to get students used to being um, a bit more deliberate in their planning because it's a lot of information. They have to do a lot of things uh, when they're out on the wards and balance everything. And this is just a a, a way to bring them in and then to scaffold it. Later on, when you take Calibrate assessment for the second time, you can reflect on what worked and what didn't. And and then that gives you a whole bunch of information, not only like what you need to continue working on, but also... Uh, steps or processes that were successful in helping you learn, or maybe you need to learn a whole new way of, of learning. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, to even think about like, how did I, you know, what was I deliberate in my patient selection? What could I, you know, how could I advocate for myself? I mean, there's so many ways, but you have it exactly right. I think there's hesitancy on the part of faculty to engage in coaching because it seems like it could have endless boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things that I hear. So the calibrate it's, it's time bound. There's like something that you're working on, but if you just remember like the key part of a coaching skill is just to ask questions and then you can just stop right. Anytime. You can do really effective coaching in 10 minutes at the most. 
because you ask a question, what do you want to focus on? You explore it a little bit and then you get some action steps, right? What are you going to do? You know, that was one of the learnings that I said that I've really learned in the last nine months. It's really important to move to action, um, to get at least one little experiment that somebody's going to try. It goes back to that idea of we're not working to get it perfect the first time. I just want you to try something. So 10 minutes, you can totally do it. It's happened to me and I was shocked. I hope that after people have listened to this, they want to go try it. You know, giving the student the lead on what they want to, to learn and then kind of noticing what happens. I hope that people feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, I love the idea that uh, you can do it in 10 minutes and that the essence of coaching is really asking questions. So the questions, the reflection, formulating an action plan, getting the student to think about that discovery cycle, mm -hmm. uh, the learning cycle, if, if you prefer that term. I'm going to do something, then I'm going to report back. You've got it. I think yeah. you could go coach. <laughs> <laughs> I really do think that this is something that as more educators know about, they'll see its potential mm -hmm. and then they'll get more curious and then they'll try it. And then it'll be this amazing, you know, I'm hoping transformation so that we really can have learners who are engaged, um, always questing for knowledge. And as you started out with, you know, really see the patients as the expert in their disease um, and their health um, and are able to tap in to that mindset because that's the way they've been taught. Just wanted to leave that's, with that. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you, Sherilyn. The Aquifer Educator Connection Podcast is a product of Aquifer, your trusted source for clinical learning. It is produced and hosted by Lynn Robbins. The show's executive producer is Eileen Olszewski. Audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Show artwork by Carrie Waters. Our theme music, Little Idea, is written and performed by Scott Holmes. For more information, please visit our website, www.aquifer.org.